this is no, no lie. Yesterday, which was Monday, I did at one point in the day think it was Wednesday. <laughs> somebody tomorrow and they're like you mean thursday i'm like that is tomorrow right <laughs> my wife has started calling the days day day yeah it's just day day now i know how my retired parents feel every day is Saturday. <laughs> hi everybody and welcome to the human element Karis podcast focused on modern marketing This is the next in our mini-series on the coronavirus entitled The Virus. Today, I am joined by Mike Law, who's president at Amplify US. Mike, thanks so much for joining the pod. Yeah, Robert, thanks for having me. My first appearance, which It is your first appearance. We've been hoping to do this for a while. It takes a global pandemic to get you on. Yeah, it does. It does. So let's do this for our audience, because we've got a kind of a mixed internal and external audience. For those folks, what is it that Amplify does inside both Cara and across Dan and Dentsu? Sure. So Amplify is the centralized investment group across Dentsu in the U.S. and actually globally as well. So what we do is really provide kind of guidance and governance and direction to the investment teams across all of the agencies in the holding company. Cara is our biggest client partner within there. About 80% of all of our spend comes through Cara. We do everything from investment through direct deals with television, digital, print, radio, all channels. And then we also oversee all of our partnerships. So Google, Facebook, Condé Nast, Twitter, Snapchat. So all of our major global and local partnerships. And Dentsu Programmatic is also part of Amplify, so all of our programmatic trading. So really anything to do with investment and media partners flows through Amplify. You've been at this a while, Mike. I won't, I won't divulge your age, but you've been doing this a while. Have you ever had as crazy a month as you've just had? I mean, so I've been doing it a little over 20 years. I started two days after college as a media buyer. So I've been doing it from day one. And the answer is no. <laughs> We've certainly had some crazy times. And I think for everybody in the agency world, you know, we're, we're a client service business. And we are constantly kind of on the move and balancing different projects. But I would say for our clients, for our media owners, for our business, I've just never seen all three of them converge at the same time with the mass amount of you know need for agility and to react and to try to kind of sort things out and then apply it to businesses as quickly as we need to and then adjust again the next day. So I think you know, the, the fact that nobody really knows what's going on from a, a pure pandemic standpoint, economic standpoint, and then how we apply to our business. So no, definitely have not seen anything quite this crazy um, to date. So I know you've been absolutely inundated by inbound questions from clients and from partners. Can you share a bit about what some of those inquiries have looked like over the past couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, I think the first week was very much about, and this would be you know a couple, three weeks back, about what do we do and what are our options? So we are really focused on our clients for that week, understanding kind of how are they reacting. And every client and every business was so different. And I don't know that any of us could completely predict what the total fallout would be. So we would oftentimes have a call in the morning with a client saying, I would like to you know, move my inventory back a month. And then by the afternoon, 
one client would be saying, actually leave it exactly where it is. I'm going to change my messaging. Yeah. And another client would say, nope, I need out of the money because something's changed in my business. So the compounding effect of everything that we're seeing started to catch up to these to the clients. On the media owner side, you know, a little quieter in that first week, I think. You know, we were working with them on what were the trends, what was, was consumer usage looking like, how should we give guidance to clients about advertising through these type of situations, and understanding what is the flexibility, like how can we work with them. So week one was a lot of planning and, you know, reacting. Week two got into much more, okay, we have a better game plan now. These are the things we need to do. But again, still quite a bit of change from one day to the next or even within the days. Yeah. It's got to be a remarkable sense of exhaustion at the end of the day where you're like, you know, you feel like you've covered both sides of every issue six times. I think we're still on the same day as when this started, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All the days and weeks have just blended. It does feel a bit run on. I think, you know, from a business standpoint and team standpoint, we've really tried to work with our teams about, you know, defining the start and the end of every day and, you know, trying to keep some personal space because working from home can be a lot different and you can, you know, easily fall into that trap, which we've all been, all been faced with. And I think in these times it has called for quite a bit of extra work. This has certainly not been a state where you can say, I'm working from home and you've got a lot of free time. Like it's, the teams have been very dialed in, clients are, and we've had to work hard. I think if anything, it's brought to light a lot of positives in our industry, just a, how the industry's reacted to helping great causes. So you saw P&G and Twitch do something over the last few days. We saw Fox and iHeart come together for a concert on Sunday night. I mean, the marvel of technology to be able to yep. produce these things with nobody, um, Jimmy Kimmel, all the late night hosts producing shows. So I think the way that the industry stepped up and then the true value of partnership and working with the media owners for our clients as they've reacted to the business situation, helping us move money as best they can and we can, and and really putting to task what partnership means. That's a great way to look at it. What's been the kind of the most remarkable question that you've received without giving sort of anything away? What's been the one that you're like, oh my goodness? I don't know that there's any one question that's made me say that. I think that what I have found the most remarkable is, you know, as clients recognize the impact of this, right? So in in the first week, it did feel like, oh, people will still be able to go to a restaurant. And then it was like, maybe some restaurants are going to close. Oh, wait, now all restaurants are closed. And now I'm not even sure that I can do takeout or keep some stores open. I'll keep my online business open. And then you realize, oh, the fulfillment center it's essential employees only. So every business is so impacted. So I, I wouldn't say there's been one question where I've been like, oh, come on, you know, you're, you're out of your mind for asking that, or I can't believe you would ask that. It's more just seeing that kind of continued impact of, wow, there's so much more to this. The supply chain is endless or the people impacted, things like that. So I think that's what I've been most surprised by. Yeah, it's the proverbial when you pull the thread on the sweater and the whole thing comes apart. That's definitely what this has felt like at times. So now we're kind of, you know, two and a half, three weeks into this. What specific advice do you have for clients right now? Yeah, I think that right now, you know, what we're trying to give guidance to clients on is, you know, look at both the short term and the long term 
impact of the business? Like, how do we make sure that we're not just servicing the, their brands and their business needs for the next couple, three, four weeks, but also let's start to talk about what it looks like when we come back. And what is that messaging gonna, going to look like? That doesn't mean that we need to set a date of August 1st, we're gonna come back with this message. But I think for brands, how are they gonna start to think about that comeback? Is it straight to you know, lower funnel tactics or is it gonna be more about brand building? I think one of the things that we're gonna see, right, is bigger advertisers certainly probably have a little bit more leeway and ability to come back and spend. I think for mid-sized advertisers and for the DTC brands, they're going to be even more focused on every dollar I spend has to work. Advertising is an investment, not an expense. Yep. So if they used to spend, make it up a million dollars a week, now maybe they're going to spend 300000 and test it and make sure it drove some results. And then next week, I'll spend five hundred, and then six hundred. So I think from an investment standpoint, it's what's that kind of marked up approach look like? And then just from a messaging standpoint, again, like, are you going to come back with a we're back messaging? Are we just going to go straight back to the way that we were talking to consumers before? So I do think we're in that moment now of we need to start to pivot towards that. There's still a lot of work to do to, to right-size schedules in the short term, but I do think we can start to put an eye towards what's next and how do we bring that back. We had Richard Frampton, who's head of strategy in Dan China. He was on the, the Monday pod we just dropped. You know, one of his recommendations for other markets, you know, China being about two and a half months ahead of everywhere else, mm-hmm. is you can't start too early thinking about what you're going to do when things kind of unlock or we get back to a more, you know, normal in quotes kind of situation. And that the level of scenario planning and the level of strategic thinking about how that looks and what that looks like you can't start too early. I would go back to your other comment about the string on a sweater. Like, even if you just think about sports, everyone's getting very excited. Maybe sports comes back in July or August. There's a lot of questions that come along with that. Great. TV ratings could be really good because pent up excitement for them. Now they're all overlapping. So do they kind of steal away from each other? And I think a big question about movie theaters and sporting events, are people going to want to go? So like there'll be a consumer hesitation to, all right, I'm cooped up in my house and I do want to get out, but do I want to sit in a stadium with 50,000 people? Do I want to sit in a movie theater? Are movie theaters going to slow roll back in and say, okay, we're only going to let 100 people in tonight and everyone's going to sit spaced out. So again, all of that scenario planning that you mentioned isn't just about, okay, sports is back. It's going to be just like it was before. It's absolutely not going to be just like it is. And I think we have to think about all of those pieces. One of the things that's been super informative and useful, I know for me personally, as well as our clients, has been kind of the observational stuff that you and the team have done around impacts to specific media, whether it's out of home, or whether it's you know OTT or what have you. And you've done these sort of mini emails reports on, on that stuff. Mm-hmm. What have been the most significant moves or some highlights out of that that you've seen that have really, really impacted you? You're like, Oof, wow, that's, that's significant. You know, number one, we knew that TV viewing would go up. And I think from the beginning, our hypothesis was that while kind of overall people will be watching more TV, and let's define TV as, as everything, yep. it didn't mean that cord cutters were all of a sudden going to go start reattaching the cord and buying cable. Yeah. (laughs) But we have seen, you know, people are watching more, more in the daytime, obviously, because they're home. 
Obviously, news has gone way up. We've seen yep. people's sports ratings go way down. The stat that I saw yesterday that surprised me quite a bit was Nielsen did some research around streaming. And you looked week over week over the past four weeks, and there's a dramatic increase in the streaming services. Not surprising. But what was interesting about that was that it did show that Netflix actually lost one share point. So the overall growth of the category is up. So they certainly have more usage than they did before. And The Office still remains the number two voting <laughs> show, which is amazing. It is amazing. Uh, you, know, you have... Netflix. It's number one in this house, by the way. My, my kids have The Office on constantly. Oh, I watch it all the time, too. And what I found myself doing is going back and watching old shows as opposed to... I did watch Tiger King, like everybody else. But <laughs> <laughs> I've been re-watching Cheers. I've been re-watching Entourage. Like, there's some great shows, and they're just... They're a bit mindless. And I think after yes. some of these days, you know, diving into The Hunters gets a little a little challenging because you just want to relax. So I think the stats around streaming were about what we thought. You know, I think when you look at some of the search queries, again, not surprising, but, you know, searches for things to do at home and what to do with kids and on Pinterest and Amazon and Google, like when you see these trends of what people are doing, they're trying to create this new life inside their house. And it's been amazing to see how families have reconnected and made the most of that time. I think radio, we know that it's been proven now to be a very trusted resource. So people like to go to the radio to hear what's going on. It's kind of like when there's a snowstorm, right? Like this old school in the morning of a snowstorm, you listen to the radio to see if school was canceled. It's a very trusted medium. We're certainly losing a lot of like drive time audience, but we are picking up more people listening to podcasts, just maybe different podcasts, different audience shapes and sizes. So it's really an acceleration of kind of a lot of the trends that we saw as opposed to everybody's gone back to an old way of life. That's not completely true. It's just, you know, the ups and downs and variables have have shifted a little. So let's jump into sports for a second. Obviously, here in the U.S. and and globally, right? So in the U.K., you know, the cancellation of the Prem or the suspension of the Prem season and here, you know, all the majors have been a really – Shocking. I remember that Thursday night when there was sort of the Tom Hanks, you know, NBA, and then the Utah player. That was a striking moment. And it really has been for a sports fan. It has kind of almost doubled the gap in my life, not having sports around, certainly the Yanks and United. How have we been handling that with clients? Because it's such a big part of what clients think about and what they try to target. And those audiences are so robust. How have you worked with them on that sort of absence? I, I think I heard you say at one point, the removal of March Madness from the market was like 15,000 GRPs or something crazy like that. How have you handled that? Yeah, I mean, the impact of just kind of the pure reach of sports is, is number one. I think because the the economy and businesses slowed down at the same time, if sports had gone away, but business was as usual, like a strike, for example, it's unlike a strike where the sports went away and there was a need for those GRPs in the marketplace. I think, you know, if you were a brand who was launching a new platform or a new product, it's likely you've taken those dollars back. So March Madness went away, the dollars went away as well. So thankfully, it hasn't created a situation where there's a ton of demand and missing supply. As the supply went out, the demand went out. I think you see it much more from a consumer perspective where people are dying for sports. Like Phil Mickelson was tweeting about maybe him and Tiger are going to do this one camera, play around a golf. 
people would, would love to see that. The NBA has talked about putting people in isolation for a couple of weeks, make sure they're cleared, and 15 guys go play pickup basketball, virtual racing from NASCAR. People are really starving for sports from a consumer perspective, and I think you know brands will latch onto that. ESPN did a great thing by kind of running ESPN Ocho for a full yeah. day. And I think there's been some creative approaches to it. For now, I think brands are having a harder time saying, well, you know, how do I connect back to the Yankees or the Red Sox or to the Lakers or to the Knicks, whoever it might be? Once sports comes back, I think we'll see some really creative ways to do. I think what AB did with the stadiums and, you know, making you know the lights out in the stadiums, they did some cool creative around that on, on social media. I was listening to the radio the other day. WFAN Mike Francesa does like a one-hour show. And a woman called in and she was, you know, 70 years old. She just called to say hi. She's like, Mike, I, you know, it's not that I don't know what to do without sports. She's like, I don't know what to do without the Yankees because like that's what I did this time of year. And I'm alone. And she was, you know, in tears. But you know, that connection that these local broadcasters have to, to consumers is really powerful. So if anything, it's kind of highlighted that for people like sports can be very, you know, the passion we've always talked about. So we'll see. I think it, it'll be great for it to come back, obviously, in lots of ways. I can tell you right now, I'm a Yankee fan. And, you know, obviously, I'm not commuting in and out of the city. But for me, so much of my commute in the spring and summertime is Yankee baseball, right? I have that on in the car, or if I'm even on the train, I'm streaming it. Of the many, many things I can't wait to do, listening to the Yanks on the radio, which is my preferred way to participate with the Yankees. I, I can't wait. We get along really well. And I'm a diehard Red Sox fan. <laughs> uh, and I, I do too. Like I listen to the Red Sox every single night. You know, something about listening to baseball on the radio is absolutely impactful. I would be derelict in my duty if I didn't mention the Olympics, obviously a significant situation for all clients. What has sort of been your latest conversation around the movement of the Olympics with clients? NBC's handled this really well. I think they've understood kind of the business situation for clients. And we, we had about a dozen, probably about 10 actually, advertisers in the Olympics and all in varying kind of size, shape, and form. And some of them have moved their money to 2021. Some are shifting it around this year. Some have taken the money back. I think for some, it's pretty welcome relief. If they had happened with their businesses where they were, would it have been the right time to be advertising? And that would have been a much more difficult conversation with the partners to say, hey, we know the games are going on, but we as a business can't support them. I think that would have created a tough spot. And again, you think about on the ground in, in Japan and in Tokyo, like the, the cost it will take to move them and to redo the games next year. You know, again, we've had to talk to every client individually. Every client's had different needs. The partners have all been great. We've seen some clients moving and we've seen a handful of clients just you know, need to take the money back for business reasons. So it's been you know, pretty smooth in that conversation, but obviously a lot of dollars tied up and it's about 1.3 billion just in direct spend with NBC Universal. Forget about surrounding spend around that, around creative being produced or sponsorships or integration, experiential. So just direct 1.3 billion, obviously a massive amount more than that. So yeah, we've just had to work with each client to figure out what's the best way for them to, to move forward. Was there any conversation in your discussions with NBC? You know, obviously they have a streaming service they're looking to launch in, in Peacock. And, you know, my understanding is that the Olympics was a chunk of what they were trying to do with that platform. 
how have they been handling that launch specifically? So from what I know, yeah, I do believe that, you know, you would have seen, you would have seen Peacock advertised and utilized quite a bit as part of the coverage. They probably would have put quite a few events on Peacock, maybe exclusively, maybe not. And I think you would have seen lots of advertising for the service, similar to what they've done in previous games. That said, while losing the Olympics is a huge hit in terms of viewership and things like that, it's also a great time for streaming. (laughs) So they will get some of the residual impact of people just looking for more content. So you could argue it's, it's a great time to be launching a new service, and it's a tough time because the media is not there. So they'll just have to adjust the strategy to where consumers are today. And we've seen the streaming services continue to grow. So like Quibi, I think, you know, Quibi will launch in the next week or so. I, at one point I thought, well, geez, do they delay it? But they're almost perfectly timed. People are starving for new content. Yep. They've got, you know, plenty of content to launch on day one. Peacock will have a huge library for people to access. You know, they're, they're well positioned for their launch. Of course, they would have loved to have had that platform of the Olympics and now they'll have it next year. Depending on where Peacock is in its evolution, maybe they do it then. And if not, they'll use their other assets in fourth quarter and first quarter to, to help launch it. It's a, NBC Universal is a powerful and large platform for sure. Let's change gears a little bit about the way we work and how much that is changing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, new fronts up fronts, totally disrupted, completely different way to have those conversations. Do you think the changes to that that this crisis has brought about will become permanent in some way, or will some parts of the changes become permanent? You know, we've seen quite a bit of change the last couple of years in how the new fronts and upfronts are presented. The partners are using it more as a platform for their full portfolio. I am a big believer in the week and bringing the industry together for the broadcast upfronts. I think the new fronts do serve a great purpose too in terms of exposing as many people as possible, clients, and on the broadcast side, the station groups and the buyers. It is an important time. So I I do think in some way they'll come back. And I I know that there was already going to be quite an evolution in terms of how they were presented this year. So I would believe they'll come back next year. I don't believe that it will have a huge impact on business. You know, just because we didn't get to go to said IAB new front or said broadcast partner upfront that we would change our investment strategy. We're still having those meetings. We're still talking to the partners. The most impactful meetings are those kind of one-to-one client direct, client-focused meetings that we're having. And those are what really shape the negotiations and some of the investment strategies. The bigger events are important to, you know, it's like broadcast television in a way. It's like, let's get a big message out to a big audience and really get people understanding where our business is going. Like, it's kind of our equivalent of investor relation days. I'm a big believer that they're important and they will come back, but they are not a trigger or lack of trigger to investment and strategy moving forward. As we sort of accelerate through the crisis, there are trends that were happening anyway that are potentially accelerated here, obviously shifts to OTT and and some of those things. Are there a few in your mind that you're looking at that will really explode and grow from here? Or just a couple things you're like, all right, as a result of this, it's changed the trajectory of where we might have been going before. I actually think that we'll see in terms of media consumption, it will trickle back to what the trend line was before. Mm. So again, TV ratings will likely decline like they were. 
People will listen to the radio back to the way they used to listen to it. I think it's exposed people to some new things, you know, maybe more exposure to there is great content on broadcast TV or there is great content on streaming services or there are great podcasts or there's great magazines or there's things on Pinterest that I, that I never knew about. So I think that people are kind of learning more about it. But I think ultimately, as we see with many kind of life events like this, you move towards something because it's helping you in the moment, but ultimately your life will trickle back to, to where it was. Um, so I don't think we'll see any major, something was trending down and now all of a sudden we're shooting it up. Last two questions for you, and they're both sort of personal questions. Oh, um, so okay. yeah, yeah, I know, get scared. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, one of the things that's struck me over the past month or three and a half weeks or whatever is the amount of reaching out that has happened in my life. And there have been a lot of moments in that that were pretty moving and reconnective and grounding and, you know, all those kinds of things. I'm sure you've had the same, you know, do one or two of them stick out in particular? I'm really glad that you asked this question. And I'd actually, if you, if you hadn't, I was going to bring it up. I think that it is a time where you've seen our industry and this isn't just here. This has been every event, and whether it's a small personal event or a global event, you see our industry really come together. You know, a couple of things that I would say, you know, life continues to happen through all this. So, you know, somebody on the team lost their father-in-law, non-COVID related. We've seen weddings get canceled, honeymoons come short birthdays missed and all these things. And I think the way people have reacted to that has been amazing. And, you know, I won't call them out by name, but there was one of our former clients and I hate to even say client because you know, everyone becomes friends and family, you know, is dealing with kind of a, an illness, that, again, not related to this pandemic. And we we're going to have an event for that person to, you know, celebrate and you know, just get everyone together for some good laughs. And unfortunately, we couldn't do that. And a virtual event didn't make sense. But we, we decided, let's collect some money so that we can help them. You know, once they're cleared, we could go do some travel or do something. And we had, you know, the amount of money that came in instantly without even asking. And then one person, you know, donated over 300,000 miles to fly this couple to go on a trip. So while we'd hoped to get 1,000 miles from a few people, we got one person who said, that's so much more important than anything else that's going on right now. So our industry just has this way of really stepping up to help people when they're most in need. And the other thing that I would say is just that the way we've all connected now, we've seen in everybody's homes, we've seen kids. My team has every Friday, and I know the CARA ELT does this as well, a cameras on lunch yep. and no agenda, maybe an update or two, but we just have lunch together. Yeah. The first couple minutes, everyone's quiet and then somebody cracks a joke and then you get telling some stories and, and it's nice. And I, I hope that we can bring some of that back to the quote unquote office when we do and just spend some more time with, with each other as individuals. So I think there's always a silver lining to these things. That first little video cocktail thing we did the first week with the ELT, I remember hanging up from that and I was it, it was emotional for me. It was really... I had to sit for a minute and just be like, you know, I miss those people. I miss being in the office. I mean, and, yeah. and it made an enormous impression on me. I've talked about it on this pod before, but 
I probably logged four and a half hours with my best friend who lives up in Maine the past couple of weeks. We do it on Friday night. We get it on the FaceTime and it just like hours go by. My kids are like, yeah. are you still talking to Uncle Nup? I'm like, yeah, yeah. On Thursday nights, my nine best friends from college, we have a group Zoom. The first week it was two hours. Last week it was four hours. <laughs> and why didn't we ever do this before? We all uh, yeah. But all of a sudden now we thought it would be a great time to do Zoom. It's funny. It's great. It's just like hanging out. So I hope that all these things can continue to some some degree. I think we we got so busy we forgot about some of these. Yeah, we did. It was always too easy to be like, oh, I got hung up. I got, and then look, there's legitimate stuff, right? Kids games and yeah. dance recitals. And I never thought I'd want to go to a volleyball tournament for a weekend, but I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to a hot summer day on a little league baseball field. Yeah, that's actually the next question. So. Last one, when this is over, or at least to the next stage of over, what's the one or two things that you're looking forward to doing the most? I probably uh, should have saved my answer. I think it's that exactly. I mean, just being able to get out with the kids and our friends and family. It is nice over Zoom, but you know, there's something about being able to go to a friend's house and have some dinner and a couple of drinks or you know, a double header on a Saturday morning, as much as you wake up and it's like, oh, I got to rush to the baseball field. I will appreciate that. And I will be happy to go sit through a, a weekend long volleyball tournament in a remote city with not a very nice hotel. <laughs> yeah, I think just, you know, being able to get back out, but you know, I'm, I'm lucky I live on a street that has some like a little canal across and a lot of people walk. So it feels nice because I see people all day out and about and waving. And even though you're six feet away, nobody feels like you're avoiding them. It's actually more the nicety of, of doing it. So yeah, I think just being able to connect with, with people. Mike, I can't thank you enough. Thanks so much for doing this. We're definitely going to have you on again soon. Hopefully not because of another pandemic. <laughs> I, well, next time we're doing it, it's going to be in person. And then we're going to go, we'll watch a little bit of the Yanks Red Sox. We'll give each other a hard time. All right. I like it. I like all it. Right, perfect. Thanks, Robert. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. That's another wrap on our virus mini-series here on The Human Element. Please, you can find us anywhere you find your pods. Please subscribe, give us a comment, give us a like, and we will be back out to you real soon. Please stay safe. Thank you. Thank you.